Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Hello, and welcome to Reimagining Motion, podcast from the high-volume Transport Applied Research Program, undertaking research into the complex and interrelated issues of sustainable transport across Africa and South Asia. I'm Holger Dalkmann, your host for today's session. Welcome. The High Volume Transport Applied Research Programme, or HVT, is an 18 million pound investment by the UK Foreign Commonwealth and Development Office, FCDO. In our first series, we're exploring transit-oriented development, or TOD. In urban planning, TOD is a type of development that can enable residents to live closer to jobs, and services and reduce the time and environmental burden of transport and also boost economic growth. It has become a leading trend for urban planning in recent decades, particularly in high-income countries. In this series, we're talking to TOD experts from our HVT research programs and explore the nature of TOD, whether it can be beneficial to low-income countries, how it might be implemented, but also where the barriers are. Each episode draws on the latest HVT research, case studies, and newly developed frameworks, offering insights and practical ideas for a TOD approach. Transit-oriented development is a very broad area of research and implementation and can be very context-specific. What works in one neighborhood, city, or country might not work in another especially when comparing policies in high-income countries versus low- and middle-income countries. Additionally, transport and mobility policies implemented to help address the COVID-19 crisis have heavily influenced the types and context of TOD policy. To help us further explore these issues, I will be speaking today with Dr. Rutul Yoshi. He's an associate professor at SEPT University in India. Dr. Yoshi led a multi-year research project on contextualizing transit-oriented development for Indian cities. Also, his work includes quite a lot of HVT-funded projects, such as the Inclusive DoD in Eastern Africa, Guide to Local Development Planning, or also work with colleagues on urban mobility referral for post-COVID resilience in India. All of these and other resources can be found in the description of our postcard. First to say hi also to Rutel. So hi Rutel, uh, great to see you and welcome to the postcards. How are you doing today? Thank you, Holger. Thank you for inviting me here as part of this podcast. Fantastic. Great. So let's let's get let's get started. As I said in the introduction, TOD is quite context specific. So from your experience as an Indian researcher, how would you define your TOD? Thank you, Holger. Uh, the way in which I would like to define transit-oriented development in Indian cities or any other uh, developing countries uh, is, I think we'll have to go back to the fundamental first principles. And uh, in those, I mean, if we go and explore that, what we understand is that uh, TOD is live, work, play near transit. And creating opportunities, increasing people's choices so that there are more and more number of people who live, work, play near transit. And the question really is that how is your urban development and urban planning facilitate that? So that's how we would like to understand the TOD. Also, I think what we realized, given the diversity of various developing countries, uh, that could not be one uh, a sort of a typical one-size-fit-all model of TOD. And that's why the way in which we plan TOD has to be context-specific. 
there has to be we have to start by reimagining the whole network and how different nodes two nodes on one network could be very diverse and different and the planning approach should be how do we sort of strengthen that idea of diversity uh, how do we sort of make that node a special node in in the full network uh, and how do we sort of give them that character and identity or, or retain the existing character and identity while bringing in more while bringing in more uh, interventions when it comes to build form public realm design street design etc and i think that should be the approach for planning for tod in developing cities okay so so when you say so we need us to adjust the concept of tod or tours like the 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 circumstances and I love it when you said it's a live, work, plan, near transit and reimagining networks. So give us a little bit more flavor to that. What, what does it mean in, in practice? Yeah, so I think what it means in practice is we have to look at, uh, again, I, uh, we go back to the fundamental idea of TOD and look at the three Ds, so which we initial the first phase of three Ds, which were design, density, diversity. What you will find in many developing countries is that you already have so much of diversity of activities and land use and and diversity of people who are coming into different nodes in the central part of the cities. Typically, you also have reasonably good level of density. So diversity in density is not really our problem in many developing countries. Our problem is essentially about design, about quality of streets. Uh, that design quality of public realm design and also the kind of build form which suits the extensive use of transit we often make our build form in such a way that you know which is all covered by compound wall there are standalone building uh, with lot of space being wasted as marginal open spaces as part of each plot Uh, how do we convert that whole system of urban development into more transit conducive development that is really our challenge one shortcut that people take in developing cities is to say that if you give higher far or higher floor space if you build near transit but you know when we really start getting into the details and nuances you write, uh, you realize the limitation of that cross section of making tall buildings near transit right so that that may not be the model everywhere in a in a city uh, it is possible that in a city you might have few nodes which uh, which has a low rise high density already existing there near transit station and there are a lot of commuters who would like to use the transit provided that it is affordable and efficient now we do not want to displace these commuters from that area we want to retain them right and and displace them and sort of replace that area with you know sort of high income groups who do not necessarily want to use transit right so so that's the sort of dilemma we have in developing cities that how do we retain the commuters near transit and how do we maintain that balance that we have uh, in our cities at the same time make way for new ideas new new development to take place so it is possible that there are few nodes on the whole network where you may promote or or you might have a demand for high end real estate uh, but there are also nodes on the same network which has large scale informal settlement now the question is how do we also upgrade them how do we make our tod plans more inclusive how do we upgrade uh, those informal settlement how do we retain some of the low rise high densities that we have along the corridor while having some specific development of high end real estate on few nodes 
So it has to be a, a you know network level strategy that you want to develop at the city level before jumping into each of the node and start detailing it out. That is, I think, is very very crucial for the idea of TOD in a developing city. Great, and you really highlighters the importance to make TOD inclusive. In your experience, how does it look like? How what are actually your examples you have seen uh, in your experience? Right. So, Holger, I would define the idea of inclusive TOD based on the definition of TOD again, and we'll have to recognize that there are two important part of the TOD conversation. The one is the T, the transit, and the second is D, the development. So, our any conversation about inclusive TOD has to start by redefining both the transit and the adjoining development. How do we make transit inclusive? I mean, we can have a separate podcast on that, but uh, very quickly, uh, if you are designing a high capacity transit, then it must be affordable, efficient, and also integrated with other modes of transit. Uh, uh, apart from that, you also need to have more inclusive streets, which can accommodate uh, all kind of road users, including the pedestrian and the cyclist. And I think the third part of the sustainable mobility paradigm, I would say, is also to uh, do the travel demand management. So making parking uh, more organized and priced in the TOD zones. So those are the kind of transport level policy that we need to work on. That how do we encourage and expand an uh, an integrated transport system? How do we encourage walking and cycling on the street? And how do we also do the travel demand management? Right, and and that could be a, a very difficult uh, political pressures of not to charge for parking. Uh, I know that from that happens in many Indian cities, right? So, so that is on the T side of thing, which is again uh, a discussion in itself that how do we make more inclusive transit, but also on the development side. How do we have a development which is more conducive to transit use, where we would have buildings with more active frontages, and to use Jane Jacobs terminology, more eyes on the street, uh, which would make our cities more safer, especially cities like Delhi, uh, etc., where the the default model of uh, urban development is hidden behind the high compound walls or you know a lot of green buffers are created all of that so so at least in the transit zone how do we start reforming our building control regulations how do we make them into more building promotion uh, uh, regulations where you allow a new kind of buildings to emerge with more active frontages uh, and and the building which talk to the streets kind of development at least near the transit station Right, and so there is a big agenda of reforming the development control regulation itself. So that is on the inclusive development part, and the second part of that uh, of inclusive development, I would also see that how do we want to deal with the large scale informal settlements that we have, which have already well established network, social networks, economic network around job centers. So in many informal settlements in developing cities, they themselves are either job centers or they provide a host of commuters. And and here I would bring in my my experience with also working a little bit in Dar es Salaam, where you can see that large scale informal settlement are being very well serviced by the adjoining bus rapid transit stations. And so if you already have those kind of relationship well established that people are living and working near transit. Now, how do you strengthen it? 
with probably a bit more secure tenure system, better upgraded services, putting in some money in basic infrastructure, you know, like garbage collection, street lights, uh, etc. So that their lives, wherever they are living near transit station, become slightly better. Yeah. So long answer to your question, how do we make this inclusive? That's, that's, that, that's, 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 that's fantastic. And uh, really, so the idea to to think about t and the d really so in, in separate parts but bringing them as a together a uh, striking idea let's move us from the more theoretical principles to the real application and to the real life and in the uh, hvt funded study inclusive tod in eastern africa a guide to local development planning which was done in partnership with itdp and i spoke recently with uh, jacob mason in a separate podcast uh, you had three case studies amnaba mumbai pune so what are the key lessons learners from those case studies what did you observe Right. So I think what uh, Ahmedabad, Pune and uh, Mumbai provides is uh, some very good idea about how do you do the city retrofit models. And uh, that is definitely could be learning for many Indian cities as well as for many East African cities. Uh, Ahmedabad had a very unique uh, uh, slum networking program, uh, which essentially uh, revolved around the idea that the municipal corporation gives some sort of a no eviction guarantee to the slum dwellers and in lieu of that the slum dwellers agree to pay for some of the uh, trunk infrastructure like water sanitation etc uh, like you and me as as a regular citizen in the city we don't pay for our trunk infrastructure we only pay a certain tax to the municipal corporation but here they said that what if we ask uh the informal uh, settlement residents to pay for part of the cost and many of them readily agreed to pay for the cost and they were given seven services uh seven municipal services were extended to those informal settlement and uh i i thought that it was a very interesting experiment and also very uh, a humanitarian way of dealing with informal settlement that you get like street lights garbage collection water sanitation in house tap in house toilet uh from the municipal corporation with certain rules and restriction and part of it is actually paid by uh the low income resident and and everyone was pleasantly surprised when they readily paid for some of the cost may, may so i just jump in there so why did they pay so it was like as you said so you and me also would not also pay for that but then it was putting us an additional burden also on people with really low income so so how did it work a sort of a simple answer to that is one that they were they understood that we are paying for services but a sort of more complicated answer to that is i think by paying they were also being recognized as the citizen a full citizen who has a right to be in the city and i think they were also claiming their rights by paying for that trunk infrastructure and what everybody was amazed was their that paying capacity because there have been number of studies in amdavad after that where uh, it has been well documented that the access to education especially for the girl child and the public health uh, improved after getting those services so so that is one very interesting model which we can take it to many other, other cities in pune what we find is that local architect called prasanna desai who works with the municipal corporation and actually design 
each and every house differently for different people. He provides them, give them kit of parts and say that, okay, now if you have to work with the community, how do we really design, you know, uh, those tiny, tiny houses into more livable conditions. But the point is that from each of these models, uh, whether it is size services, in-situ upgradation or in-situ redesign, redevelopment kind of models, there is a lot to learn from all of this. And we can take that lesson to not only other Indian cities, but also to other developing countries. And I can clearly see that how those ideas being applied to a place like Dar es Salaam. Fantastic. Rutal, you uh, spoke a lot about those responsibilities of the of the local government, but there's a national government. And uh, in another HVT-funded research, so you look particularly into so post-COVID mobility and, and urban reform. So um, what do we need, in fact, so from policy to enable all these changes towards an inclusive TUD, as you described before? I mean, so that's where I will bring in our work on post-COVID mobility a lot more. And what I find increasingly in India and in East Africa, at least, that now government has developed a tremendous capacity to build and implement large-scale transit infrastructure projects. Now, I think we want to move in from that phase to a phase where these are not standalone transit projects. They are actually part of an integrated system of the city. And I think that's where going back to those three ideas of sustainable mobility paradigm of how do you encourage the use of an integrated transport system uh, becomes very, very crucial. I mean, we have a long pending agenda of integrating between the rail and the buses, the local buses and the metro rail that is being built. Right. So I think we find that a lot of people during uh, the COVID times that sort of started relying on informal transport, walking and cycling. Many of them who could afford ended up buying a lot of private vehicles because they were a bit scared of using public transit. So, so you will see that there is a boom in the sale of bicycles, but there is also a boom in the sale of uh, all kinds of motor vehicles as well. And, and that's why it's very important that there was a lot of interest uh, during the COVID time of creating pop-up bicycle lanes, uh, better footpaths, uh, better sidewalks, etc. And, and I think probably we could use that momentum with some funding coming from maybe the national level government which support some of these interesting innovations. But also understand that there is a large-scale money which is being put in the large-scale transit infrastructure project. Even if we spend 10% of that money on organizing parking, organizing walking and cycling uh, in the city, it would go a long way in complementing uh, all kinds of transit services. So, Rutil, you have done quite a lot of workers on local area planning as a tool. So, what, what is the role of LAP in such a development? Right. So, I think LAP is a very uh, simple idea. And uh, I think uh, what it is essentially is that it is a tool and it can become, ideally, it should become a statutory tool for doing brownfield uh, urban redevelopment plan for the inner city areas. And uh, the simple idea that Ahmedabad is using and which could be very powerful is to say that, okay, uh, if you want to expand our road network, if you want to expand our public realm in the core city area, can we sort of take some land for in the public realm as part of the public land bank in lieu of giving higher floor space uh, from the private landowners? So what it does is that it, it 
it allows high density development or or redevelopment taking place but at the same time it ends up creating some space uh, for the public realm and for public roads and public spaces etc and i think if that is an idea if we can make it work for inner city areas it's possible that you may not be able to do it a number of places but at least at few places which may be a multimodal transit hub or which are a high demand area for the transit use then i think what lap could become uh, is sort of an implementation tool to based and and you can use transit oriented development uh, as a sort of a planning or uh, as planning principle or as a planning tool whereas the other one become a statutory a sort of a mechanism which help you in uh, implement the transit oriented development so coming unfortunately it's already is to the end of the very interesting podcast and thanks as again for your 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 insights and and we see us a wonderful positive examples around the world and also in 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 India growing but how do we actually get to scale we have also a, a climate emergency we also have also all the needs from far more people as coming also from the rural areas to the cities so how do we scale that we not also uh, have the same conversation in 20 years saying oh they're a good example and now so we have to do this and that right uh, so good question olga uh, and i think this is where uh, it really uh, i mean we really required to ramp up the funding in some of these areas but it's it's not only about funding uh, i think there are two things which are extremely crucial in a context of developing cities one is that you need to find out somebody who's responsible for implementing these ideas so you need the right kind of institutional structure backed up by you know a specific budget which they need to spend so in many cases we have institution but without adequate budget we have budget but then without adequate capacity so i think that is really an area in which we have to work uh, and also i think in terms of the funding priorities uh, in many uh, developing countries there is a huge transition taking place to electric mobility and i understand and i respect that but sometimes we also have to focus on some of the most fundamental part of infrastructure building uh, uh, which may or may not always include transition to electric mobility so we can't have all electric vehicles but not very good cities we also need to build good cities and that's why we need to build a transit oriented city and then it is possible that the mode of transit could be uh, based on electric mobility and the second agenda is about the capacity of the various uh, government agencies right and and there i think sometimes uh, uh, initiative from the higher level helps so national government if they have a large scale fund uh, where they are backing up an idea uh, then it really helps cities build around those ideas right but again like i said in the beginning we need both the institutional structure somebody responsible and somebody with a budget i think that is something that we really need to match uh, in order to implement some of these ideas so you mentioned also funding as one of the key elements to really enable so an inclusive TOD. So what are your thoughts on how to to make that happen? Right. So I think one important part of uh, 
urban transport budget comes from municipal budget in many developing cities. And I think we should surely move towards an idea that a part of the municipal budget needs to be spent on low carbon mobility. So specifically for walking, cycling, or, or uh, you know, informal transport regularization, all of that should become a regular feature of a municipal budget. Right now, the trouble in many developing countries is the municipal budget is spent on making expanding roads or or making expressways and and flyovers etc in the city which is a mammoth budget uh, if we can put even a portion of that budget 20% 30% into sustainable transport mode and and if this required a statutory backing then we must have that but the point is that if we have a specific budget for these modes then there are higher chances of that being used and and also creating some sort of a level of accountability uh, on the part of government and also on part of the citizen they can go and demand that where are you spending my 20% 25% on sustainable transport modes and i think so it's important that we we find some space in municipal budget for sustainable modes Thank you. Thank you so much. So institutional structure, budget, funding priorities really helps us to create us as a city for all. And as we need us the capacity building. And let me allow us to address from my perspective, one more is in fact the educationers behind that, which you wonderfully do at SEPTA University or so, and you personally also for uh, quite some time. So with that, um, thank you very much also for uh, your 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 time, and uh, we're looking forward to so uh, your future work. Thanks, Vitul. Thank you, Olga, and thanks, HVT, for making me part of this. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode. Wasn't it great? So if you would like to find out more about the work of our guest and any of the resources, please check out the links in the description. I always encourage you to listen to the other episodes in the series where we explore a variety of other topics related to transit-oriented development. Also, you can leave us a rating, hopefully a positive one and a review. It really helps others finding out about our podcast. And if you'd like to learn more about the work of the high volume transport, you can check out our website, transport-links.com or follow us on Twitter at transport underscore links or on LinkedIn at High Volume Transport Applied Research Program. You see there's plenty of different options and you can obviously do all of that. The High Volume Transport Applied Research Program, HET, is an 18 million pound investment by the UK Foreign Commonwealth and Development Office, FCDO. The program's new body of research aims to help inform the decisions of policymakers in low-income countries make road and rail transport greener, safer and more accessible and affordable. My name is Holger Bergmann and you have been listening to Reimagining Motion. Thank you. Stay and travel safe wherever you are. Goodbye and auf Wiedersehen.